Well, this is Carrie Murdoch with Practical E-Commerce. Harry Joyner is a prominent, long-standing e-commerce recruiter. We reach out to him from time to time to assess the state of e-commerce jobs. I did that today in early January 2024. Here's my conversation with Harry Joyner. Well, Harry, thank you for your time today. It's great to be here. Harry, you are the go-to source for us on e-commerce employment topics. You're a longtime authority. You're a recruiter, e-commerce recruiter. We always enjoy talking to you, and thank you for your time today. My first question for you today is, what I've asked before is, it's early 2024. What is the state of e-commerce employment right now, executive employment? I would say, in a nutshell, it's like Baskin-Robbins out there. 31 flavors of ice cream at Baskin-Robbins. There's 31 flavors of candidate available for hire, you know, temp and interim and project and perm and full-time and part-time and on-site and remote and partial remote and dedicated and fractional. And it's just, it boggles the mind, all the different combinations of talent and engagement there are out there. So that's something that people are having to learn to work around. Is that driven by employer needs or employee desires or both? Um, this is maybe a little redundant to what I said last time, but I think some of the dynamics are the same. But people are complaining that their job search is taking too long. Hmm. And last year, there was this standoff between employers wanting people to work on site and candidates weren't really willing to work on site or they would have preferred not to. And so that meant that there was like this weird bifurcation out there where candidates were no longer really interested in applying for jobs that caused them to relocate their families. Because mm-hmm. who would move to Wichita, Kansas, for example, for a job where the employer wanted them to be in the office three to four days a week? What that meant was that people were applying for jobs that were fully remote or completely local. Right. If a job is completely local and you don't have to relocate your family there, obviously, then you can get into the office two, three days a week and you could usually negotiate something with an employer. What that led to was sort of a bottleneck for jobs that were either fully remote or local to the candidate. Hmm. And now what's happened is that there are candidates who've said their job search is taking too long. And what happens is when you get to about I don't know, three, four months, this is really sort of a gray area. When you get to about three or four months, people start looking at your LinkedIn profile, hiring managers, and they go, okay, if this person is so awesome as a full-time employee, why aren't they hired already? Yeah. And what happens then is candidates start casting about for temporary projects, interim stuff, part-time stuff, just you could call it coaching, you could call it consulting, call it what you want, but it's causing a real breakup now in people's career path. A job search could end up lasting, I don't know, I've seen job search last six to eight months. Hmm. And people end up doing projects and consulting stuff in between. And some of them never get back from doing the projects and consulting stuff. So it's a hard time to be a candidate. And it's a hard time to be a client looking for talent. Because when you look at a LinkedIn profile, what you see is people who are a mixture, this weird blend between full-time things and part-time things, and you really can't tell who's great anymore at building an actual organization. And 
I'm not sure how all of that ends. That's probably a confusing sounding explanation to most people, but best I can tell, that's actually what's happening out there. Is there a mismatch between folks looking for jobs and job openings? There's one or more of one or the other, or is it more of an issue that the jobs are getting unfilled because the potential employees aren't applying for those type of jobs? that makes sense. Yeah, here's what it appears to me. And this could be a blind man in the elephant type situation where I see it as one thing and you could talk to another hiring manager or recruiter and they could see it a completely different way. But the way it feels to me is that when I first started e-commerce recruiting, so this is back in 2004 or five. So I've been at this thing almost 20 years. The average tenure of an e-commerce person was Let's say it was five years. That feels about right. So every year, roughly 20% of the market was up for grabs. It was a job search year for roughly 20% of the market. Then over time, that shrank to four years. So every year, 25% of the market was up for grabs. Then it shrank to three years. Every year, 33% of the market is up for grabs. Then with COVID, what you had is this mass layoff and people looking for jobs. And now it feels like the typical full-time careerist for e-commerce has her job, let's call it two years. So every year, half of the market is up for grabs. And then there's probably another 25% of the market that has two jobs a year. Hmm. And if it takes six months to get a job, and you know you're going to need a job every 18 to 24 months on average, what it means is that everybody is constantly on the make. Even if they don't have open to work on their LinkedIn profile, it means that, that we are constantly inundated with people who say they can do an e-commerce job. And again, these people apply and their backgrounds would position them as temp or part-time or remote or partial remote or fractional or consulting type folks. And it's left to the recruiter to sort of sort through that. So it's no longer an issue of can this candidate do the job, because there's a lot of people out there who know how to build an e-commerce business. It's can you get the job versus the freaking 9 million other people who have applied? Because I think I mentioned this last time, but it's a thing in our business, is that literally there are 900 million people on LinkedIn right now. Yeah. 900 million, wow. right? So let's say your mother was right, and you're one in a million. <laughs> well, there's 900 of you out there. And if the market turns over every other year, then that means this year you're competing against 450 other people just like you. And it's really hard to cut through that clutter. You touched on that last time. Let's expand on that for a sec. Because applying, I believe, if I could paraphrase what you said, applying for a job on LinkedIn is too easy. Is that fair enough? Did I say that right? Well, yeah. Push of a button, easy apply. It's ridiculously easy now to apply. So what does an employer do about that? I mean, an employer is going to get all these resumes. What do you see employers doing when they get inundated with 900 resumes or whatever it is? It's like being an umpire. It's like calling strikes and balls, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine an umpire. You can call a strike and a ball, and traditionally the pitches come at you every, I'm making this up, let's say minute and a half, traditionally the pitches have come at you. But now the pitches are coming at you every 10 seconds, and mm -hmm. you still kind of know what your strike zone is, and you still know what a strike and a ball are, but it just leaves more room for error. And the candidates have to be crystal clear. I mean, I'll say this for the benefit of your listeners who are applying for jobs. The candidates have to be crystal clear 
about how they built a business. Because this is something I didn't say last time, but I'll drill down on this because I think this helps your listeners, is that I use a tool called LinkedIn Recruiter. Mm-hmm. And any recruiter who's really worth his or her salt, either on the client side or the third-party side, I'm a third-party recruiter, mm-hmm. is we use LinkedIn Recruiter. It's like being a bond trader and having a Bloomberg terminal. You kind of have to have it. And what happens with LinkedIn Recruiter is it takes all of the applications and it serves them up in a user interface on the back end. So if I have 500 candidates who've applied for a job, I don't see the fancy, pretty LinkedIn profile you've made for yourself with the fancy, pretty banner and all of that other BS. Mm -hmm. I don't see that. I just see an apples to apples comparison on the back end, you versus the other people who've applied. And at the top, you've got a left arrow and a right arrow. And I page through that result. Hmm. Harry Murdoch, Mm -hmm. I'll talk to him. Joe Blow, pass. Mm -hmm. Harry Joyner, pass. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, pass. Donald Mm -hmm. Trump, hard pass, whatever. (laughs) And you just, that's all you see, Mm -hmm. right? And so, What I'm looking for typically, because your people will ask, is I'm looking for good companies that people have worked for. I'm looking for decent tenures. A decent tenure these days is like anything between three and five years. Like if you've been someplace more than five years, it's not a knockout factor, but I got to wonder, are you doing the same job for five years in a market that's this dynamic and this Mm ever-changing? I'm looking for people like that and for people who've progressed up an organization. And those are the people, I think I did a LinkedIn video about this a a couple of months ago. If I get 400 applications for a job, I pull the top 10% off of the pile, just clicking right arrow, right arrow, right arrow, looking. Mm -hmm. And the top 10% is 40 resumes. Now I have to call those people Mm. and step them through a Q&A about what do you currently do and how big is your current P&L and how big is your team and can you build a business and what's your process for that? It's really involved. Yeah. My workload is about five to six searches a month. And that's my capacity. Wow. And I would say I, in the slow season, I'm doing between three and five searches a month. Mm. Wow. So are there other options for employers besides LinkedIn? So given what you just said, with sort of the process of getting swamped with resumes, if you're an employer, would you run an ad on LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah, I would run an ad on LinkedIn because the people are out there and you never can tell who's going to apply. And it's so easy to apply that there are stars. If you give me 400 resumes, there's probably at least 1% of those is a real rock star. And I don't know how much it costs to run a posting on LinkedIn, but let's say that the transaction costs on that deal are, I don't know, between $500 and $1,000, it's worth that money. Mm-hmm. Now, if I ran a DTC e-commerce business or even a B2B e-commerce business, mm-hmm. I would network and I would constantly be asking around. This is like one of those buy your straw hats in the winter type thing. Mm-hmm. I would be asking around, who's yeah. a star? Who's a rising star in this space? Who would you want your own kid to work for? Who's doing a great job? What's their claim to fame? Who's really business-oriented? Who's creative? Who's innovative? Et cetera, et cetera. And you're just trying to build a database so that when you actually need that person, you can reach out to them. In the, uh, this is a question about ad copy. In the editorial space for practical e-commerce, we can fashion a headline in such a way that kind of self-filters who's going to read that article. 
based on how we describe the headline. Can an employer do that with a job, describing a job? The answer is yes. What we find is that people search for what they search for. Hmm. Right? So if, if my next job is VP of e-commerce, that's what they're searching for. And we would, I mean, it's not a creative endeavor. It's like looking for a hammer at Home Depot. Right, if you were looking for a hammer and you had to go by the headline or the product description or what, you would want a hammer. And then you might sort a bit once you got to the aisle, but you know basically what you're looking for. There are things that we do. Well, maybe this is a little off topic for what you sent me, but there are things that we do to sort of jazz up job postings mm. so that for the most part, I don't want to say all of the recruiting is done in the job posting, but a lot of it is done in the job posting. I mean, by the time I actually get on the phone with a candidate, I want to have a pretty probing conversation with them about what they do all day and how they actually bring a dollar in the door. So if any of your readers go to ecommercejobs.com, that's our site. Mm -hmm. When you look at my postings, there's an essay in every job posting. And it explains in great detail, frankly, what the client's business is about and who the business is for and what's their unique selling proposition. And sometimes I'll dig into the purpose and values and viewpoint of the brand. I might talk about the size and scope of the market opportunity, what's in the tech stack or whatever, mm-hmm. so that the A player can actually read it when they're ready to engage with it. Mm-hmm. Because like, here's the thing about our business. And I guess I can say this because if people wanted to knock me off, they would have done it by now. <laughs> but the reality is I can't place anybody unless they're usually in the top 3% of the industry. Over these days, it's gotten to be like being a sports agent, hmm. right? Because I charge 20% of a candidate's first-year base salary if and only if the client hires them. And meanwhile, they can run their own posting if they want. Hmm. So they run a posting on LinkedIn, and they get you know 400 applications. And then here come Harry's, let's say, 10 to 20 applications and his recommendations for the top four, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Mm-hmm. Well, John, Paul, George, and Ringo need to be amazing. So amazing, in fact, that Harry's fee is lost in the rounding mm-hmm. of the incremental value that one of his candidates drives in the role. Mm-hmm. So what we find is that, like, there's what I call secrets of a great job posting that would be that you need to have what I call 100 proof information there. Right, so like it completely well researched. They're academically rigorous. That doesn't mean they read like a term paper or anything, but like I know my stuff and I've done my homework and I've checked the math. Mm-hmm. Right, so they're tacked down in that sense. It helps, I would say, if they're yeah, frankly highly entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of a bright shiny object because I, from time to time, can be highly entertaining, mm-hmm. and people will pay attention for that quality. So your postings have to have that. It's useful if there's some level of what I would call counterintuitive insight Hmm. in the posting so that people at the beginning of the posting, they kind of are like half-assing, like, I think I know what this is going to be about. And then they get about a third of the way through and they're like, wait a second, there's a plot twist here. The company's doing something unusual. They're making money in an unusual way. The recruiter has some counterintuitive insight about what's next for the company, like there's some plot twist there that keeps the person reading. And then at the end, there's got to be an incentive to apply. 
So, for example, if you look at any of our postings, there's a little thing there about all of the research and all the reasons that somebody would want to apply through us. And so we pay probably 10,000 hours a year for market research databases. And if a candidate is the top three percenter and they apply through us, by the time they actually get in front of a client, they're going to be heavily armed and it's going to be a shock and awe level of insight that gets imparted by the candidate. Wow. That was lengthy, but that's the process. Well, wow, that's very interesting. I was going to ask this earlier. Can you say in today's market the biggest job needs out there, or is it is the market too inconsistent right now to even say what the big needs are? Well, the market is consistent, but it's consistently competitive. Hmm. And if you're running an e-commerce business, it's like running a baseball team. There's no like most valued position on a baseball team. Like if you you could have amazing people, but if your shortstop sucks, then now you have a problem at shortstop. So you you okay. need A players at every position, mm. but you don't necessarily need bench strength at every position. I would say that is a little bit case dependent. Mm. But what I tell people to do is take a good hard look at whether their business is growing or shrinking. And take a good hard look at the margins and it's like, well, what kind of business do you want in the next five years? And then what kind of business three years from now is going to help you get to the five-year vision? And then what kinds of candidates can you hire in the next two to three months that will help you do that? So frankly, now that I say it like that, it's just like a technology roadmap. There really should almost be a talent roadmap. And I don't frankly know that there is a talent roadmap in most organizations, but there totally should be. Okay. So you don't say like there is a big shortage of email marketers or there's a big shortage of online merchandisers or logistics people. I wish I could find a good logistics person, something like that. You don't really look at it that way. No, because we're going after A players. And in general, the supply of A players goes up every year. Part of that is because there are new people coming into each discipline. So like chief operating officers, there's new e-commerce chief operating officers every year. People get promoted or they come in from outside of the space or whatever. So, And then there are just people who like the same number of A players get held over every year. So we can always find A players. That's not the hard part of what we do. I don't even think it's a hard part of having an e-commerce career. Like if you really want to be an A player at something, you can just set a goal. And and if you're reasonably talented and driven, you can make that happen. The hardest part of our thing year after year is just getting people to to listen to our client's selling story because A players are busy and they're highly valued. They're covered up. When you say A player, does that refer to a specific discipline, like they're an A player in a specific discipline, or they're just overall talented person, no matter what you throw at them. Is that how you define A player? Yeah. They're winners. They find a way to win. So in any school, classroom, whether it's history or math or sociology or whatever, there's A students and B students and C students, and sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're different. But for every one of those classes, there's people who are making an A. Mm-hmm. For every position in an e-commerce organization, there are people that are making an A. I see what and you're saying. It's, it's not necessarily a top 10% thing. We tend to look at A players as people, frankly, who are worth the 20% fee that you would pay us to get them. Yeah. So when you were a kid, your grandma might have said little hinges, swing big doors. 
we're looking for affordable hinges to swing great big doors for our clients so that our fee is lost in the rounding of the value that the candidate will drive. I told you I was going to keep you only 20 minutes. We've gone over 20 minutes, but I need to ask you about e-commerce recruiter, your firm. You've alluded to your capacity that you have right now, but tell us about your company. It's, it's ecommercerecruiter.com, right? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. ecommercerecruiter.com, and I'm a regular writer on LinkedIn. People seem to enjoy my content. It's all about e-commerce careers. Okay. I think I got 30,000 followers over on LinkedIn. So if your listeners go to harryjoiner.com, like join the army, Mm H-A-R-R-Y-J-O-I-N-E-R, all one word, dot com, Mm -hmm. that domain resolves to my LinkedIn profile so they can see my stuff. And we're contingency recruiters. So we charge 20% of a candidate's first year base salary if and only if the client hires them. So we don't cost anything to engage and it's a great gig, frankly. We'll be contacted by 150 companies this year, and my business partner, Alan, and I will take about 60 of those deals. So we tend to take about a third of the deals that come our way. So if someone wants to visit with you, is the best way to reach out on LinkedIn? Is that it? Or? Yeah, or they can text okay. 404-281-2025. But I'm around. I'm definitely accessible, if nothing else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. well, Anything else on your mind today before we jump off? No, nah, we're, we're good. It's you know, 2024. It's like I've said before, it's an election year. you got all sorts of stuff going on in Iran and the Middle East and Russia and Ukraine and never a dull moment over in Asia. And there, there's just, who knows what's going to happen with staffing and recruiting this year. Election years are always amazing anyway. And we're cautiously optimistic, but you never know. I visited with someone last week who was in the M&A space, e-commerce M&A space, and he was guessing what 2024 was going to be, but he added the caveat of all the unknowns pretty much that you just said. So <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It used to be easier to run an e-commerce business. I'll tell you that. And now... <laughs> Everything about running an e-commerce business seems like it's gotten harder. So all of the technology to enable it, all of the talent, all of the inputs to have a successful e-commerce business, but it's led to a ton of competitive convergence and price competition and overbidding on keywords and all the stuff that your readers know so much about. It's just, I don't know, it's really hard for brands to cut through that clutter these days. So it is takes good people to do that. Well, listen... Thank you so much. Again, I've been visiting with Harry Joyner. Harry is uh, the leading e-commerce recruiter, and you can reach him at harryjoyner.com, as he just mentions, which forwards to his LinkedIn page. I've been to Harry's LinkedIn page many times. It's a terrific resource. So go to harryjoyner.com and end up on Harry's LinkedIn page. Harry, as always, thank you for your time, sir. All right, man. Thank you so much. Really enjoy it. Call me next time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.